in our series on culture wars. What are culture wars? They're wars that we are battling within our culture. And obviously those can differ from place to place depending on where you are at. Matter of fact, even with the United, within the United States, it can differ very much what we fight about depending on where you are in this country. And so um, I think we would be foolish to not recognize that there are significant differences of thought on many different things. And I think uh, it would be wrong if, if these things that I believe very strongly affect God's church if we did not talk about them. And so we've been doing that. And uh, we've had some people joining us by way of podcasts. They're not members of this church, but they've heard about this series and they've been listening and following along. And to them, we say, welcome. We're glad you joined us. And uh, we're glad you are part of um, our, our services. And we would invite you to actually come be in service with us and experience the power of Pentecost. Amen. So tonight, the subject that I am dealing with is the subject of racism. Everybody say racism. So I, I felt like it would be a good idea to open this tonight by telling you a story of something that happened in our family in the recent past. And um, somebody said, oh me. So my daughter went to school. You know it's going to be good when you start out with somebody's kids, you know. I, oh no. So she went to school and um, it was, I guess, what, two, three weeks ago we celebrated Martin Luther King Jr. Day <laughs> on a Monday. And so they were talking about that in her class at school. And her teacher happens to be uh, a young lady who is African-American. And uh, I, I especially like her because I found out she's from South Arkansas like I am. So I know she's good people. And uh, she's a great teacher. Nora loves her. Her name is Miss Tia. And, um, and so they were talking about Martin Luther King Jr., uh, and his dream and all of those things. And so, if I understand everything correctly, Miss Tia was making a statement to the class. She said, she said, in those days, she said, I would have been unable to be your teacher. I could not have been your teacher. And she said, the reason I could not have been your teacher is because of the color of my skin, because I'm black, and I would not have been able to teach you uh, students who are white and and so they're discussing this and Nora raises her hand and Nora said she said well she said I guess my daddy couldn't have been married to my mama then in those days she said because my daddy's kind of black and and, and then she pointed to a Hispanic boy, and he's kind of like so-and-so. <laughs> In our house, the way we have dealt with a lot of those things is that it's, it's our intention to raise our children that there is no difference in skin color. So a lot of what she was hearing was brand new information for her because we don't want her to ever judge anybody based on the color of their skin or where they're from 
And so that's, that's how we do that in our house. So, you know, she felt like that was perfectly acceptable to say. And, uh, and she did it with the right attitude. So I, teacher thought it was hilarious and sent my wife a message telling her about it. And, um, and y'all pray for us, okay? <laughs> that, that my daughter learns a little word called discernment. What to say and when to say it. And, uh, but just so you know, I couldn't have been married to my wife back then because I'm a little black. I will admit to you, I was preaching one time and I got to feeling real good and had a guy get on the organ. I said, go ahead and get on that organ. I said, I feel a little black coming over me right now. So there is a little bit of gospel inside of me. Um. I want to deal with racism tonight and, and what it is. And racism is, admittedly, it is an issue that has become, a again, has become a very large issue in our culture. And so we're dealing with a lot of different things. And, and I think the first thing we need to do is we need to define what racism actually is and what it is not. What is racism? It is a belief that one race or that your race is the primary determinant of human traits and capacities and that racial differences produce a superiority of a particular race over another race. So racism is if, when we believe that if we are of this race, that this race is superior to that race just because of the fact that you're a part of that race. And um, there are many racist organizations that, that are um, alive and well. Some of them would be more familiar than others, but I, here's some of the ones that are probably at the forefront. Uh, the KKK, the Ku Klux Klan, uh, continues to be an organization that exists. It is a racist organization. It believes that um, there is such a thing as white superiority. The Aryan Nations is a become a very large uh, racist organization along those same lines. Now in modern times, we also have one that's rising up very quickly, um, and I, that would be Antifa, uh, which says to be against fascism, but it's 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 very much a a bigoted organization. The New Black Panther Party would be one. The alt-right would be one. The Nation of Islam would be one, led by Farrakhan. Um, these are some of the ones that are probably at the forefront of the news most of the time that you hear about more than others. So that does exist, and, and there are no doubt there are some of those even within our area, in Jonesboro and in, in surrounding communities, there still are racist people. At one time, I don't know if it's still this way, but at one time the north central part of our state was hailed uh, in the KKK as being one of the strongholds uh, in modern times for the KKK. I don't know if that's still the case, but it certainly was at one point in the last uh, 15, 20 years or so. That's what racism is, believing that race is the primary determinant of your of human traits and capacities and that it can produce 
a superiority over another race. But let's talk also about what racism is not. Racism, and we need to get this, racism is not a spear that we throw at somebody simply because they disagree with us. And I think in our world, what we're dealing with a lot of, and I, I really personally don't think, I know racism is a big issue, but I don't think racism is as big an issue as it's being made to sound like it is. I think that, that there are people who are pitting people against each other for the benefit of their own ideologies. And they are trying to cause people to want to wanna fight and, and to say this color doesn't like this color and, and this color don't like that color and, and all of these things. And, and uh, I think we need to be real careful that we don't assume some things. I think when we sit down and talk together and we reason together, as the Bible says, I think we find out that we have so much more in common than we realize. And so... Racism is not a spear that we throw at somebody just because they disagree with us and it's convenient because they have a different color skin than we have and we say, well, well you're racist or else you would not have said that. Um, that's one of the things that it is not. It's not identified simply by how somebody votes. I want to say that as we're going into an election season and in a very political environment that we are in right now. Um, racism is not identified by how somebody votes. Uh, just because somebody is conservative does not mean that they're racist against other cultures. Uh, just because somebody is liberal does not mean that they are racist against other cultures and socioeconomic uh, stratas. And we need to be careful about that. Um, racism is not, we should not boil it down to such a simple thing as somebody who wants to secure a border versus somebody who does not want to secure a border. Just because somebody does, does not make them a racist. Um, I, I don't, do not consider myself to be racist, but uh, I do lock my doors at night because I don't want any of you coming in. I don't want any of you coming in. So uh, we need to be careful. To me, that is called manipulation of race for political benefit. And so I, I'm, I'm tying that in with politics a lot because of the environment we're in right now. I think that politics is using racism as a bully club to beat people up who do not agree with them. And I see that on both sides of the political spectrum. And we all need to be careful of that. Dr. King said this, who we celebrated a few weeks ago. He said, I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. That is a dream that I am on board with. I don't think we should judge anyone by the color of their skin, but that we should always judge based on the content of somebody's character. And so... We need to be careful that we do not apply generalizations to people based on a skin color or a background of where they come from or anything like that, where they live, how much money they make or they don't make. We don't judge on those things, but we should judge by the content of character. And Christians, folks, we should strive to have the highest content of character that we could possibly have. 
we do, let me just say something right now. These Pentecostals who believe that as long as you come to church and you worship God and you get a touch of the Lord and, 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 and you, feel, um, you feel Holy Ghost goosebumps come up and down your spine, that, that is the end all of living for God. I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to wake up one day and you're probably going to hear, depart from me for I never knew you. Because living for God is about a whole lot more than, than feeling a touch every once in a while. Living for God should change who we are. It should change us. As one person said, to the, from the guttermost to the uttermost, we should become a changed people. We should become a changed people. And so, um, we, my opinion is, I don't believe we should, give, we should not give somebody a job based on their culture, where they came from. I don't think we should give somebody a job either based on their culture or where they came from. I think we should do all of those things based on qualification. And in this church, we're not going to put somebody in a, in a position because of a color of their skin or because of a, a language that they speak. And a lot of times we, we say racism and what we mean is black and white. Okay? A lot of times that's what, that's what we mean. I'm going to tell you tonight, it's a whole lot deeper than that. It's a whole lot deeper than that. And we don't, we don't do these things based on that. In this church, it's about qualification and, and what God, the anointing that God has placed on your life. And we need to become aware of that. Um, the culture of Christ is not known by a skin color. The culture of Christ is not known by a language. It is not known by ethnicity. Matter of fact, and I'll say it later, but in Jesus there is neither bond nor free. There is neither Jew, this is Scripture, nor Gentile. There is neither male nor female. That's what the Scripture says. In Jesus we are all of one blood. Everybody say one blood. You can read about it in Acts 17 and 26. The scripture um, said, well, let me, let me back up uh, to verse 24, 17, 24. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything. In other words, he doesn't need you to make an idol of him or anything. Uh, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things, and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. The Lord has made us all, the scripture says, of one blood of all mankind that dwells on the face of the earth. We all folks come from the same place. We are all descendants of Adam and Eve. So it doesn't matter if, if you identify as Asian or Caucasian or African American or African or Australian or European. It doesn't matter. All of us, if we all trace it back, we all come from Adam and Eve. And matter of fact, that's not just something that, that the Bible teaches us, though that's enough. Everybody say amen. amen. 
that's enough all by itself. But even science will look back and, and look at DNA and blood and all of those things and says that all of humanity um, has come from the same two uh, people that started it all. Isn't that something? Um, and so we understand that, that we're all descendants of Adam and Eve. One blood. Everybody say one blood. So where does all of this begin to, to splinter off and why do we have the issues we have? It all began at Babel when Nimrod and those that were with him began to build that, that tower that they said would reach into heaven. And they were trying to show their self-sufficiency and their humanism. And they began to build this tower. And the Lord looked and said, I can see that as people work together, nothing can be restrained from them. And so the Lord said, I'm going to confound them. And he came down and he confused their languages. And one day they showed up to work and somebody said, give me that hammer. But when they said, give me that hammer, they didn't say it in the same language they had talked in the day before. And the other one couldn't understand them. And then he said something and another one couldn't understand them. And so God, God began to separate cultures at that place. And so people gathered towards those languages that they understood. And we began to have a distinction of cultures that over many, 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 many years began to develop. And now we have so many different places around the world that, um, that have so many different things that are unique to them as a culture. So that's where uh, all that variance began was at Babel. But, and, and please go with me tonight because I'm trying to hurry through this uh, and, and I don't want it to be a lecture because I got some stuff I want to preach here in a minute. But go with me because I got I to gotta show us some things. The Lord did call a man by the name of Abraham. He said, Abraham, I want you to come out of Ur of the Chaldees and I want, you to, uh, I want you to follow after what I'm going to tell you, and I'll make of you a great nation. And, and the Lord began to give all these promises to Abraham. And so the Bible says that Abraham did that. When he did, and I'm going to read the, some scriptures about that to you in just a moment. When he did, when he followed the Lord, uh, God said, because that man is stepping out and following me, I am choosing him and his descendants after him to be a special people unto me. So that is where God chose the Hebrew people, the Jews. Why did God choose the Jews? He chose them based on one simple criterion, because of Abraham's willingness to follow the word of the Lord. When Abraham said, I will do what God has said, even though I don't understand everything about it, because God has said it, I will do it. God said, now I will choose you. So let me stop and go ahead and preach before I'm meant to preach and say this. There are some things sometimes that I don't understand that God asked me to do. There have been times in my life God has asked me to do something and I couldn't understand why in the world He would ask me to do that. But I have found that every time I will step out in faith and do what God has said to do, that God will honor me and God will bless me and God will keep me through those things. So He chose this people and you can read about it. Genesis 12, 1 through 4. 
It says this, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. And Lot went with him, and Abram was 75 years old when he departed out of Haran. That's the first promise. Look, let's look at Exodus 19, verses 3 through 6. And you might be able to be faster than me on these, uh, Brother Nathaniel. Exodus 19, 3 through 6. And Moses went up unto God, and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bare you on eagles' wings, and brought you unto myself. Now therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed, and keep my... Everybody say covenant. And keep my covenant, then... It's if, then. We need to be careful that we're not trying to claim then when we haven't done if. God's not going to bless you then if you haven't done the if. That's for free. If you'll obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people. This is God speaking to Israel. For all the earth is mine. Next verse. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words, he told Moses, that you shall speak unto the children of Israel. I'm just identifying Israel as God's chosen people first, okay? Let's go to Deuteronomy 7, 6 through 8. Deuteronomy 7, 6 through 8. And the next one is going to be 2 Samuel 7. Deuteronomy 7, 6 through 8. For thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself above all people that are up upon the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love upon you nor choose you because you were more in number than any people for you were the fewest of all people. In other words, it's not like you had all these things going for you. You weren't the best looking... <laughs> I'm trying to think what to say there. I'll just get in trouble. You weren't the best, but I chose you anyway. But because the Lord loved you, and because He would keep the oath which He had sworn unto your fathers, hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Second um, Samuel seven twenty three and twenty four. Second Samuel seven twenty three. And what one nation in the earth is like thy people, even like Israel, whom God went to redeem for a people to himself, and to make him a name, and to do for you great things and terrible for thy land before thy people, which thou redeemest to thee from Egypt from the nations and their gods. For thou hast confirmed to thyself thy people Israel to be a people unto thee forever, and thou, Lord, art become their God. You with me? The Lord's telling Israel, you're my people, and you're not just my people, you're a special people. Is that the truth? Right. Yeah. Psalm 105 and verse number 8. Psalm 105 and verse number 8. 
He hath remembered his covenant forever, the word which he commanded to a thousand generations, which covenant he made with Abraham and his oath unto Isaac, and confirmed the same unto Jacob for a law, and to Israel for an everlasting covenant, saying, Unto thee will I give the land of Canaan the lot of your inheritance, when they were but a few men in number, yea, very few, and strangers in it, when they went from one nation to another, from one kingdom to another people. He suffered no man to do them wrong. Yea, he reproved kings for their sakes, saying, Touch not mine anointed, and do my prophets no harm. Psalm 135 and 4, last verse in this particular set of scriptures I want to read. Psalm 135 and verse number 4. For the Lord hath chosen Jacob unto himself and Israel for his peculiar treasure. So the first thing that God did is he established a natural people. Everybody say natural. You got to catch that. He established a natural people unto himself because Abraham stepped out by faith and walked with God. God said, out of you, I'm going to have a chosen people. Right? That's what the scriptures I just read to you all declare. And Israel became that chosen people. Now, what happened is uh, the Lord had a plan that was bigger, though, than just one nation. Thank God that the Lord has a plan that is always bigger than what we could have ever dreamed our own selves. And the Lord did not intend to leave everybody else without hope. But He said, I'm going to use these people to establish some principles. And God took Israel, that nation... And He used them to establish things that if we will look at those things and follow after those things, we will be blessed. And He began to prophesy, and I'm, and I'm not going to read all these scriptures, but He began to prophesy that there would come a time when there would be a light that would go to the Gentiles. A Gentile is everybody that is not a Jew. In other words, God was saying, I'm not going to confine this thing to one race of people. I'm not going to have one race of people that gets all the blessings and nobody else can ever have access to them. He said, there there will be light in the evening time. And I am going to go into the Gentiles and from them I will take, go read it, I will take a a, a people for my namesake. I'm glad to be a people of the name of Jesus, aren't you? He said, I'm going to take a people for my namesake. And so when that happened, and, and... The place that happened is this. It's when the Lord established the church. And uh, when He established the church, He began to graft another group of people in to the vine that was Israel. And that means He took took, uh, the the sliver from, from the Roman tree and a sliver from the African tree and a sliver from the European tree. And he began to graft those in to the Jewish tree. And what he was doing is he was making us a part of the lineage of Abraham. How are we a a part of the lineage of Abraham? We are a part of the lineage of Abraham by faith. Everybody say by faith. We are a part of his lineage by faith. God chose, he had already chosen a natural people... But then he said the natural was only to bring us to the place where I could open it up to the spiritual. The natural was for a predetermined amount of time that God had set. And once that time had ended and we entered into another dispensation, we are now in the church age. 
And God said, I'm now going to open this up to a spiritual people. And that is the group that we are a part of. It is called the church. We are a part of the church of the living God. We are a part of the bride of Christ. And we're a group of people out of every nation. Why did God choose a spiritual people? What has, what has distinguished us in this room tonight as being a spiritual people? It's the same thing that distinguished Abraham. It is because of our willingness to follow the word of the Lord. When we obey the word of God, we become a part of His spiritual people. We obey His word. We repent of our sins. We are baptized in His name. We are filled with His Spirit. We live a life that is pleasing to Him. We change. We become formed to the, conformed to the image of Christ. And we become less like us and more like Him. And as we do that, as we obey His Word, we become His people, the church. 1 John chapter number 2. 1 John chapter number 2, verses 3 through 6. And hereby we do know that we know Him, if we keep His commandments. He that saith, I know Him, and keepeth not His commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in Him. You know of Him, but you don't know Him. But whoso keepeth His word, in Him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in Him. He that saith, He abideth in Him, ought himself also to walk even as he walked. This is a part of what makes us God's people in the church age. We are no longer identified by a bloodline of being a Jew, what we are, but we are identified by a spirit, one spirit that has come into all of us. It doesn't matter what color you are. It doesn't matter where you were born. It doesn't matter what language you first spoke. When you receive the Spirit of God, you are born again. And that's why one songwriter said, This world is not my home. I am just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. We are what Paul said, strangers and pilgrims, sojourners in this earth. Amen? We talk about being American or we talk about being British or whatever the case may be. But before I'm American, I am a part of the body of Christ. That is my first allegiance. My first allegiance. I hope this don't bother y'all, but I'm going to say it anyway. My first allegiance is not to the flag. And I pledge allegiance to the flag. But my first allegiance is to Almighty God and His Word and His Spirit that has blessed my life. Now, after that, I don't think there's anything wrong with being proud of being a part of a nation. There's nothing wrong with that. And I believe that we ought to be proud of where we're from. And if you're not proud of it, you ought to go find somewhere you can be proud of. But I'm proud to be an American where at least I know I'm free. That's what Brother Greenwood sang about. John, John 15 and 16, if you give me that verse. John 15 and 16. And then I'm going to Hebrews 8. Y'all doing all right out there? John 15, 16. You have not chosen me, 
But I have chosen you, the Lord said, and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, He may give it you. I didn't choose Him, but He chose me. How did He choose me? He drew me to Him. He said, I, if I be lifted up, will draw all men unto me. He drew me to Him, and I've been chosen of Him. Hebrews 8 and verse number 8. Hebrews 8, verses 8 through 13. I want to read them very, very quickly. For finding fault with them, He saith, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel uh, and with the house of Judah. This is what the Lord had prophesied He was going to do. And, and the writer of Hebrews is telling us about it. He said, It's not going to be according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by hand to lead them out of Egypt. Because they continued not in my covenant that I made then, and I regarded them not, saith the Lord. Just because God made a covenant with you, if you don't keep up your end of the bargain, He's going to quit regarding you. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. He said, I used to have my laws on some stones. You remember that? Abraham, came, uh, Moses come down from the mountain with those. He said, now I will put my laws into their mind and I will write them in their hearts and I will be to them a God and they shall be to me a people and they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother saying, uh, know the Lord for all shall know me from the least to the greatest. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. And their sins and their iniquities, thank God, will I remember no more. In that he saith, a new covenant, he hath made the first old. Now that which decayeth and waxeth old is ready to vanish away. So we're not bound by the law anymore. He has a new covenant that he has made with us. We are put in the new covenant by being born again of water and of spirit. And I thank God for the covenant of the church age that I'm a part of. So I went through all of that to show you that God has always had a people. But here's where we have to be careful. Israel came into a problem in the Old Testament. You see it in the beginning of the New Testament and even into the early church very strong. They became, there were parts of that church, this is going to bother some of you, but there were parts of that church that had a racist element in it. They thought they were better than the Gentiles because they were Jews. Go read your Bible. They thought they were better. I'm going to tell you right now that as bad as any racism is, surely the worst form of racism is when God's people see themselves as being better than other people. If there is anybody that, not, uh, that should not have racism in them, it ought to be the people who count themselves as the people of God. It ought to be us. There was an element in that for a time in the early church. In Galatians 2, Paul withstood Peter because Peter removed himself from a particular group of people, the Gentiles, because they were considered to not be as pure as the Jews who were saved. And the Jews were clinging to some of the law that had passed away. And so when the Gentiles came in not observing those aspects of the law... It bothered the Jews, and they said, we don't go with them, we don't eat with them, we don't sit with them. That, folks, is racism. In Romans 9 
and 10. And I would have read a lot of this for you. This would be good homework. Go read Galatians 2 and read Romans 9 and 10. In Romans 9 and 10, Paul deals with how God called even the Gentiles into the kingdom. And he says that the Lord, that, that the Lord did that because of their faith. They are a part of the kingdom because of their faith. They had faith that led them into obedience so that they might be saved. That's what he's saying. And he said, now, you people who get caught up that they weren't ever under the law, he said, here's your problem. He said, Abraham was never under the law. Go read it. He said, Abraham was part of my covenant because of the things I asked him to do and because of the promise I made to him. He said that promise endured from him there on. And so if you had to be a part of the covenant, then Abraham's not or a part of the law, then Abraham's going to miss out. He said, but the law's passed away. And because the law's passed away, the Lord has established a new covenant. The key is to always be in the covenant. Whatever the covenant is at your particular time, you need to be a part of it. So if I'm with Abraham... I need to be a part of that covenant of the circumcision. If I'm a part of the law, I need to obey the the precepts of the law that made me a part of the covenant. But if I'm a part of the church age, I need to obey the precepts of the the law of the church age. I don't need to try to get away from that. That's why I don't understand people that want to back off the things of God. Want to act like some of this stuff don't matter. You've lost your mind. You go on and tell yourself it don't matter, but I feel like preaching now. But I'm going to tell you right now, it does matter. God does care. God is looking for a people who will be obedient to His Word. Obedient to His Word. And you look at Colossians 3 and Galatians 3. Matter of fact, let me just look very quickly at that last verse in... uh, One of the last verses in Galatians. Chapter number 3. I'm coming to a close here. Matter of fact, to give them some hope, Sister Tracy, why don't you take Lena and y'all go ahead. Why don't y'all just give the Lord some praise real quick while we're... Thank God. Be part of His kingdom. Be a part of His church. Amen. When you look, you need to read the whole chapter 3 of Galatians. Um, The covenant is confirmed in Christ, he tells us. Um, But when you get to verse number 27... He said, For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ's, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. But you don't, but I don't have Jewish blood in me. No, I'm one blood. I go all the way back. But even if I was not a part of the quote unquote nation of Israel, that don't matter because I have been baptized into Christ and have put on Christ. And because of that, there is neither American nor Jew. There is neither European, British, uh, Scandinavian, Canadian, whatever you want to name. There is none of that in the kingdom of God. And we get messed up when we get to thinking our way is better than their way. You better be careful because you're starting to talk about some of God's kids and He's not going to have it. He's not going to have it. Let me tell you what racism should do to us. It should grieve us. 
if somebody says something untoward towards somebody based on their skin or their culture, the days of, of cracking jokes about that need to be over. I want to say it again. The days of cracking jokes about that need to be over. And we need to have gumption if somebody does say something like that. Derogatory towards somebody based on something like that. We need to have the gumption to stand up and say, hey, we don't need to talk like that. And, and I know you probably don't mean a whole lot by that. Maybe you're just trying to be funny, but we need to be careful about that. We all need to make sure that we lead the way in that as people of God. Can you say amen? It should grieve us. If we see racism, it should absolutely uh, hurt our hearts. If we are like Jesus, when he, when he, when he, he sees, sees somebody done wrong based on where they came from or what they, how they talk, it grieves the heart of God and it should us too. Racism should remind us that we were all sinners that none of us were a part of the commonwealth of Israel. And if it had not been for God's grace and His mercy, we wouldn't even be a part of the church today. And it should remind us that without Him, we are nothing. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care what your name is. I don't care where you're born. I don't care what your background is. I don't care what your education is. If you don't have Jesus, you ain't got nothing worth talking about. I'm so glad to not have my hope wrapped up in a college degree. I'm so glad to not have my hope wrapped up in a bank account. But I'm glad I've got my hope wrapped up in He who is eternal and has called us one blessing. When we see racism, it should grieve us, it should remind us, and it should unite us. When we see racism, we should be united against it. We should be united against it. We should stand against it. Anybody that walks in this church, and I am continuing to pray that we get more color in this church. I don't want to be a one-color church. I don't want to be a one-culture church. I don't want to be a one-ethnicity church. I am praying that God would bring in more cultures than, than we could even imagine. We've got a college down the road. There are so many kids that come into that college from all over the world. They have, there's a, a, a lot of uh, Asian students that come to this school from all the way across the eastern part of the world. I would love for us to reach into the Asian cultures, the Hispanic cultures, whatever culture it is. God, we want to reach them for You because they are meant to be my brother and they are meant to be my sister. What can we do to combat racism? We need to model the early church. In both the book of Acts and the latter day church at Azusa. In the book of Acts church, they dealt with their little issues, but after Paul withstood Peter, Peter learned his lesson, he quit doing that. And, and cultures began to come together. And we need to understand that if you have a problem going to church with somebody who's a different color than you or a different ethnicity than you, then this is probably not the church for you. I'm just going to tell you right now. Well, we don't have it, so I don't have to worry about it. Yeah, but if that's your attitude, I don't think you probably want to be here. I'm just going to tell you that right now. Uh, if it bothers you, you need to think about not going to heaven. 
Because when you get to heaven, he said, it's, well, I'll tell you in a minute what he said. We need to model the early church. We need to model Azusa. At Azusa Street, there was uh, newspapers wrote, and they said it's just un, it's unbelievable. They've got, uh, they've got blacks and whites, and, and they've got uh, the Mexicans, and, and all of these different cultures coming together, and they're worshiping God side by side. It's an absolute travesty. Go read the newspaper reports about Azusa Street. That's what, by the way, that's what our, our leaders in, in morality in America, at least they think they are, that's what they were saying back then. But the church was already ahead of the curve. And the church was saying, no, no. That's why we don't take our social standings from media and from the world. Boy, I'm preaching right now. I, I don't take it from them. I'm going to take it from the Word of God. And they were worshiping side by side. And they couldn't believe that a black man, a one-eyed black man, was preaching to white people. But you know what? When he began to preach, the Holy Ghost would fall. People were slain in the Spirit. They received the Holy Ghost. There were manifestations of angels. There was the miraculous taking place. That's the kind of church I want to be a part of. And then, what can we do to combat it? Refuse to bring divisive, worldly thinking regarding race into the church. That stuff has no business in the church. Keep it out of the church. Keep it out of the church. Revelation, let me just read uh, this last scripture. Revelation 7 and beginning with verse number 9. Revelation 7 beginning with verse number 9. After this I beheld, and lo, stand with me, I beheld, and lo, a great multitude which no man could number, of all nations, and kindreds, and people, and tongues, stood before the throne, and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God. Notice this, they were all wearing white robes, because you've got to remember that. They said, Salvation to our God which sitteth upon the throne under the Lamb. And the angels stood round about the throne, about the elders, the four beasts. They fell before the throne on their faces and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes? He's talking about those people that no man could number of every tribe, language, nation, tongue, all those things. He said, What are these people? Whence came they? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said to me, These are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore are they before the throne of God and serve Him day and night in His temple. And He that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them or any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them unto living fountains of waters. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. They all, let me tell you something. They all wore one color robe, but they all had different color skin. They wore the same robes, but they had different color skin. In other words, they came together in, in, in one identity, but they came from all kinds of different backgrounds. And we need to understand that God's church is a church that has come together from all different backgrounds, 
but we are put one together. We are just one people together as our identity is found in Jesus Christ. And I want you to know that I want to be a part of a multicultural church. I don't want to be a part of a white church. I don't want to be a part of a black church. I don't want to be a part of a Hispanic church. I want to be a part of a church that is for all people, all nations, all kindreds, all tongues. That's the church I want to be a part of. That's what I want to be a part of. If that's what you want, would you lift your hands right now? I want us to pray. And as you're praying, listen to me. I want you to pray that, God, if there's anything in my heart against some other kind of a culture, some ethnicity, God, remove it from me tonight. Lord, help this church to feel like the most inclusive church that anybody could ever walk in concerning their ethnicity, God. Would you pray that right now with me? In the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, if you believe what I preach tonight, and that's the kind of church you want to be a part of. Would you just give God some praise right now? Would you give Him some praise?